For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. You know, last year in the Super Bowl, there was lots of bets going on. Uh, a lot of people got nervous when Kansas City was down, even in the fourth quarter. But they pulled through for those Kansas City betters, and they're right back here in the opener this season. So for game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Clipper Nation, what's up? Jesse Cass and Alex Acker back with you here. We're not going to waste too much time. We know that if you're listening to this, you're mad, you're disappointed, you're pissed off. We are as well, so we're here to we're here to, to talk you through it because uh, we're still trying to process everything as well. But uh, if you're listening, you know the Clippers blew another three-one lead. They lose Game Seven in pretty pretty pathetic fashion, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it here, Alex. Uh, thanks for taking the time again. I know, obviously, the time difference for you. I think, luckily for you, you, you know, didn't really see it live last night. You got to rewatch it this morning, but yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, a pretty. No, it was. It was man. To, to, to be honest, just it was. It was ugly, you know. And the worst thing about it is that I didn't see it. So then I already know the outcome. So I'm trying to figure out how did they lose. And then I finally get to watch the game, and I'm like, damn, this is bad. It's ten times bad, because I already know the outcome. But, uh, man, Jess, is an ugly game, man. I'm going to let you start it off. I know you got a lot to talk about. I know I was texting you throughout the game, and you was hot like like fish grease, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's, so I, it's, just, it's just bizarre. Because, you know, for this team with so much talent, and especially, you know, both ends of the floor, honestly, we've, you know, there's a reason that, you know, we and so many experts out there are so confident in this team. And for three consecutive games in a row to just not only fall apart, on the offensive end, but on the defensive end as well, and really just look like there's no spirit, no heart, no resiliency. And for a team that has guys that you would think would have those characteristics, it was just truly bizarre, like I said. And I think for a lot of Clipper fans out there, you know, obviously it was a 3-1 lead. You know, I felt this way watching Game 5 when they had that big lead and still feeling nervous. And when that lead started to dwindle, you know, after that game, having people say, oh, you know, it's still 3-2 and still having this feeling of dread just from the history of the Clippers and despite this talented roster thinking that it shouldn't happen again, here we are again, another 3-1 lead lost. And yeah, and like yeah. I said, Game 7 was just truly pathetic. This is a team that, you know, again, they took a 12-point lead. They came out 
with some good intensity at first, but again, yeah. closing quarters poorly, letting that 12-point lead get cut down to four at the half, or two at the half, rather. You know, quickly put that back up to seven, and then pretty much from that point on, just nothing. Offense went from whatever it was to zero. Uh, the defense lost its spirit. Uh, I can't even count how many missed layups there were, at least over 10 on top of the 9 of 35 from three-point range, a lot of them wide-open shots. So, I mean, yeah. you, you credit Denver because they obviously played with an incredible amount of energy. They were playing loose and free, and they wanted it more. But at the same time, for the Clippers, not only defensive mistakes, but missed shots at the rim, wide-open threes, not getting to the free-throw line, not having your stars step up in the biggest game of the year. I mean, everything piled on top of one. It was... Uh, it was disgraceful. It was a shameful performance for a team that, you know, if they if they didn't win the championship, whatever. But to not get out of the second round again uh, is is truly a you know a, a, a catastrophe for this team for the expectations yeah. that they had. Yeah, for sure. I mean, man, it's a lot to talk about, and and I would hate I hate the fact that we're actually in this position right now talking. Um, as such of a great caliber team that you know that that the Clippers are, um, it's really you know sad. I can't use any other word for for them to be in this position and, and to to feel like this. You know, everybody that you said expertise that actually played the game that knows the game very well um, was cheering. You know, Paul Pierce was cheering for this team to win, and the list goes on. Um, from the depth from offense, from the depth from defense and and the caliber of players they have going into, you know, this 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 playoff run that, you know, these guys have actually wanted to be here, if not been here, um, in these situations where um they can as outlast a lot of these teams and get into the to the um, finals. You know, um this is definitely a showmanship of Kawhi Leonard's um, ability to lead a team uh, once more. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out um, like you know the Cinderella story, which he's bringing us to all the way to this point of him overcoming and hitting big shots and leading teams that are no name teams, you know. But um, for the Spurs, I shouldn't say no names by no means, but I mean like teams that they existed thinking that they were going to win a championship and Toronto Raptors. Um, this is one of these teams that was actually built to win a championship. So the odds were stacked a little bit different um, for Kawhi Leonard. They were stacked a little bit different for, you know, Paul George and a lot of these guys as well. You know, um, the tenacity that I thought they would have, um, they had these chances three times. They didn't They didn't perform uh, in the second half not once. Yeah. They had the same shots they had in the first half that they were getting, that they were hitting three times, three games, you know, and, and second second half, every single result happened the same way over and over. So, again, like I said in the first, in the last uh, podcast, you really can't blame um, the coaching staff. You can't blame these guys at all. You're getting these shots. You're taking these shots. It doesn't even matter what plays they're calling or how many timeouts. This is up to you guys to put the ball in the hole. You guys are paid professional athletes at a high level. Uh, you got to put the ball in the hole. That's the name of the game. 
You know what I mean? You can't look around. Ain't no damn fans. You're in the bubble. <laughs> and ain't no crowd cheering over you or, you know, against you. This is all straight basketball hooping. You know what I mean? So it was, it was, it was, man, there's so much to talk about, but it, I'm just really pissed that, you know, we're actually sitting here, you know, um, talking about these guys in this way. But for the most part, like, we, we actually came to the situation with, you know, the the playoffs thinking that we were going to win this thing. I definitely thought we had the caliber team, that the Clippers was going to get to the finals and, you know what I mean, and face their last Sunday's Clippers and see what's going to happen, you know what I mean, for the championship. Yeah. But yeah. it was just ugly, man. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, a lot of what you said there is right on. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George did play well for most of the series, so you give them credit for that. And obviously everyone's going to have a bad game here and there. But just, you know, for both of them to lay an egg in this game, zero points total in the fourth quarter from both of them. Uh, You know, one of 11, I think, in the second half for both of them. We saw Paul George was four for 16, Kawhi Leonard – you know, six for nineteen from the field. Uh, mm-hmm. George hitting the side of the backboard in the fourth quarter. It's just oh my gosh! You know, like yeah. you're gonna have your bad games, and, and and that'll happen even in you know game sevens like this. But yeah, at, at a certain point, you know, for for Paul George especially, we know Kawhi, as you mentioned, has kind of been to the mountaintop and proven what he's proven. And yeah. you know, Paul George has had good games, but if you're gonna be listed as one of the top 10 players in the league and get paid, you know, $30 million a year, you got to come with something better than that. And yeah. And and one of the reasons too, I mean, Kawhi Leonard mentioned it in the post game was this team's basketball IQ needs to get better. And I think that's yeah. evident from what we talked about last time too. You know, a lot of the reasons in the games Paul George has struggled, he's gotten himself in foul trouble with silly cheap fouls. And again, here in game seven, again, you know, you absolutely, they need you. He gets in foul trouble in the first half. Denver goes yeah. on that little run, as we said, to make it a two-point game and kind of shift the momentum. And then, you know, you lose your rhythm offensively. So we saw George get in foul trouble again. Zubats, who's been really good as well, foul trouble. He was awful in this game. Uh, I mean, really no one played well in this game except maybe Jermichael Green, and that was it. And this is a game seven season on the line, kind of, you know, obviously the legacy of this franchise and always blowing it. Uh, staring them in the face and they obviously didn't respond to it but mm-hmm. you know from from your star players when you put this team together with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in the preseason and everyone is kind of universally agreeing these are two of the top players in the league they were outplayed by Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray those two were better yeah. in yeah. in this series and especially in this game <laughs> yeah. game seven Murray had 40 and Jokic yeah. had a triple double with twenty two rebounds and thirteen assists. I mean, they there was no question who was better in, the, in this game seven. Yeah, no, that's a show out. That's 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 a crazy stat line in in, in game seven. You know, um, I think would have Murray had twenty five points in the second half. I mean, in, in, in the, the second half, quarter, yeah, in the second quarter. Like, come on, man, that's way too many damn points, and that's supposed to be the main target we emphasizing on. But let me go all the way back because you you nailed it on the on top of the head when when we were talking about Paul George was struggling and the team was carrying him, and then you got you know and for him to get out of that funk, Kawhi Leonard didn't have that. Even though we we expect Kawhi Leonard to be a robot and machine, but he's never been able to you know have a Achilles heel <laughs> Thor um, 
in his in his ankle or no type of a, a dent in his shield by no means. You know what I mean? So this game that he picked to have this situation happen was the worst, understandably. Yeah. But he did not have no room, no wiggle room like Paul George had. And I'm not bashing Paul George at all, but it is what it is, though. You know, we, we was waiting for him to show up a lot of times. And maybe it's due to the fact that Kawhi had to exert so much energy to bring these guys along up and, up until this point. You know, so it's a lot of things to play into this fact. But um, nobody should be looking at somebody else. They should be looking at each other in the mirror and seeing, you know, what the hell they need to be doing wrong. But it's too late for that now, though. But I just see that, you know, Kawhi Leonard, this was a game that they was going to etch your name in stone as, you know, one of the elite players up there with LeBron James and stuff like that. So you can dead all that rumor and stuff and saying that you don't belong up there. This was one of those games where he had to play and perform, and uh, he didn't, you know. So I don't know what that means as far as his legacy and his history, but this is something that we'll always remember uh, moving forward, that he didn't prevail um, like he should have, like he normally does, you know. But again, to chime in what you were saying as far as the the foul trouble, I think the biggest thing that the Nuggets did was they were patient as hell. I seen the game and they had shots, wide open shots. Joker had a couple of 15 footers that he would normally knock down. He would he would pitch it off for another dribble handoff. And these guys, the role players, even Murray, they knew we're getting this guy the ball, making sure he'll have two or three options to score. And they kept feeding him, and he would knock down his sweet shot spot, that 15-footer from the top of the key. And, you know what I mean, that was the flow of the offense. They weren't just going to take what the defense gave him. They was going to take what they wanted to take throughout the whole game, you know what I mean? So they didn't seem like they were rushed. They were really poised. Guys were confident throughout the game. And I wish it was gonna. I wish it was the Clippers that was doing that, but it seemed like they were rushing the whole time. Yeah, and, and you look again a tale of two halves, like you said. The last three games, the second halves have been disastrous in all three. And you look at when the Clippers were rolling early in the game. You know, granted, twelve point lead not as big as the leads in games five and six, but going back to kind of that Lou Trez pick and roll, moving the ball, getting easy layups and dunks, and. Just all of these second halves, like you said, just kind of stagnating the offense, going one-on-one, everyone else just standing, looking around. And, and even though they did yeah. get some good looks and missed them, just the flow of everything was not the same. And you could see it. You could sense it through the TV that, oh, they're getting tight again, and now the offense is, is bogged down. And y- you could just see them basically overthinking on the floor every time down. And were they yeah. 0 for, for 10 to start the fourth quarter? It didn't make a field goal until there was like four minutes left. I mean, in a yeah. game in a game seven, that's that's crazy, and and, and the, you know they didn't even cut into the lead when Jokic went to the bench in that stretch, and any mm-hmm. chance of a comeback at that point was you know went out the window. But it was a uh, it was it was shameful, like we said, it was it was a terrible performance. And then you know to throw the cherry on top of it, I thought like I thought a lot of the the conversations, whether it was from the players post game or you know leaked sources who were tweeting out things that. I thought there were too many excuses in the if, for the loss as well. You know, just bizarre things like Paul George saying, you know, it, it was not championship or bust for us, and it's a learning experience, which oh you know gosh. may be true that you can build and get better, but everyone knew and agreed that this was a team with championship aspirations. So to now all of a sudden act yeah, like yeah. that's not a part of it is very strange and. You know, Lou Williams talking about the team is pissed. Well, shouldn't you have been pissed after game five and six and 
you know, being yeah. pissed now doesn't mean anything. And then, yeah. and then just throwing in the the final, you know, icing on the cake was saying that the players were were tired and asking out and didn't have the right conditioning. Well, I mean, it's not like this team has been in a different situation than anyone else in the bubble for the past two months. Uh, we yeah. know that they've load managed and done all that stuff that they've needed to do to manage Kawhi's injury. But as far as being in the bubble. They're the same as anyone anyone else. Chemistry-wise, they've been by themselves as a team for two straight months. I mean, all these excuses just, you know, ring hollow for me. This is a yeah, team, yeah. you know, it just, there are no excuses. They blew it. They no, should have right. played better, and they didn't. You can't, you can't talk about chemistry. Everybody had a fair chance. Nobody else on the team is going to get chicken, you know, at a strip club. Nobody <laughs> else on the team is, is, you know what I mean, is lagging behind or doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Um, nobody, I mean, yes, they did have some, some serious problems, you know, um, some some losses in the family, their immediate families and stuff, which you can't do nothing about as normal. And even if they weren't in the bubble, I'm sure guys would have taken an absence of dealing with that issue, you know, um, accordingly for sure. You know, so you can't act like, oh, we didn't have enough time to do this. Like, there's so much going on around basketball and these events outside of that bubble that you got to still be able to perform even though when you step in that ring. You know what that situation is. You know you're a professional athlete and you're getting paid to play at a high level. So you can't even have no excuses. Unless you can't play basketball, you shouldn't be stepping on that court. If you can't play, then sit down. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's how it's supposed to be played. Yeah, and you look at Denver, too, who, you know, obviously they were able to overcome it and win the series. You know, Jokic came back or came into the camp a little bit late because he had tested positive for COVID and got over it. And, True. Uh, you know, they met Gary Harris didn't play until, what, game six of the first-round series. So he was late to the bubble with his injury. Will Barton True. didn't even play in this series. He was oh out. So God, the Nuggets yeah. had just as many issues of – Continuity and, and those Curry injured as well too. Like he had to have you know blood sample. I don't know what happened to his chest. He said it was some serious stuff. He yeah, in the yes. game plan. So all of these issues for them, and they were obviously you know not making excuses about it, and came out and, and won anyway. Yeah, won <laughs> the first team in NBA history to come back from a three-one down twice in the same postseason. Yeah, you know no, I mean? so that's some that's some hard man. It's remarkable. At the same time as as you know, disastrous as this is for the Clippers, you know this Nuggets team is likable and they played really hard and they deserve it because they yeah. clearly they made all the right plays in these last three games to win. Um, but from the Clippers' perspective, yeah, it's just a uh, pretty unbelievable. And you mentioned the three-one deficits. Obviously, there's only been 13 in NBA history. This is now two, obviously, for the Clippers in the past five years and three for. Head coach Doc Rivers, he said, I, I know, as you mentioned, not specifically his fault in this series. Players got to make shots and play better. But this is, yeah, as we said, the, the second time with the Clippers and the third time out, yeah. of, out of 13 yeah. that they've blown 3-1 leads. So yeah. is there anything that you've seen from, obviously, different teams in different years, but, you know, 2015 and that crazy Houston series and now this year with the Nuggets series that – that kind of stand out to you for for the reasoning for why the Clippers have dropped these series, which they've had you know such control of. No, I, don't, I really don't know. I really don't know what the what's going on inside that locker room. If, if guys are liking each other for real, um, uh, to, 
I, I know Denver's liking each other. You know what I mean? These yeah. guys are <laughs> these guys are really liking each other. You know, and I see, you know, it can be a lot, a little bit of more egos moving forward. Uh, you know, it's only one basketball, and these guys are uh, they got you know you got two six man award winning champions that's on on the bench. You got Paul George, who's damn near a superstar uh, caliber player, as well as Kawhi Leonard. And not an all-star, but a superstar. Um, it's it's a you got a league coach that's won the championship as well. Um, so it's kind of hard to figure out who you're going to lead uh, and who's going to follow. You know, in that sense, um, Paul George even said it. He was like, uh, you know, it's my first year playing with Kawhi, getting getting familiar with him, knowing what he likes and what you know. So that is a is a testament of, you know, something that you need to build on for sure with the chemistry and the IQ of knowing what to what to expect out of each person and what they're going to get. But um, I think it's going to be... <laughs> it, it, it doesn't have no excuse at all. It has zero excuse at all. I, I can't even... I mean, no excuse. Everybody's lacing their shoes up the same way. Everybody's taking the ball out the same way. You know what I mean? Like, there's no excuse for this to happen. But I can I really I have no words really you know for that question you asked I I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know. You know, like I said, the excuse thing was was bizarre, and the you know the team being fatigued. You know, there's really I I, I don't understand the reasoning for that. You know, this Clippers team, of course, as we said, a lot of it was due to injury and circumstance of you know resting players and doing whatever through the regular season, but. We we know that Doc Rivers as well. He's a pl- he's a coach that emphasizes having his players fresh and not necessarily practicing a whole lot. Uh, so all of those signs point to uh, if there is any team that should be able to handle this f- fatigue, stamina wise, be able to be ready for a game seven and not be tired and asking out in the fourth quarter, it should be the Clippers. So that was mm-hmm. that was weird too. You know the whole obviously it's. It's raw. It's fr- it, you know. It's rough right now. Thinking about it just mm-hmm. after it happened, and you know, we talked about some of the the adjustments that that the coaching staff needed to make, and uh, yeah. you know, obviously, I actually, I actually seen them. You know, at, at the last minute, though, it was damn near too late. I think when uh, Murray hit that runner, um, long Steph Curry three ball fading, you know, to the Clippers bench. Yeah, uh, they they were actually in zone. You know what I mean? Like a, a matching zone. And that was something new, but it was kind of like too late to try it right now. You know what I mean? They already had the momentum going. I would I would honestly say, if this happened to me the first game, okay, the second half we played like S-H-I-P. The second game, we do the exact same thing. The next time we come out, we cannot be playing 5-1-5, just regular ball and just seeing what's going to happen. We have to make a change. And that second half coming into the game with something different of buying into something like, you know, a, a, I don't know, a trap or something like that. Uh, trap on the pick and roll or forcing it, getting out of uh, the Joker's hand or something like that. Or relying on somebody else to make a, a, a play for us. Um, I don't know. Maybe having that zone earlier down the, down the stretch of the, of the game instead of just waiting for a long time. Um the game was already determined, though, you know? Like, these guys knew exactly what they are going to do, the exact same thing. I seen, I seen the Nuggets always making changes and revamping themselves throughout the game and 
giving these guys a run for their money. I think that was the biggest thing was they made adjustments and the Clippers didn't. They just relied on their talent and the Nuggets relied on their hard work. Hard work beats talent every single time, every single time, especially in our playoff season. Yeah, the Nuggets, we know their two-man game is, is incredible and they work that relentlessly. And like you said, anytime the Clippers would try to throw a little wrinkle, you know, switching defenders, uh, we saw... You know, pretty much the Nuggets attacked the center at all points, whether it was Harold or Zubats, and especially with having big men who can step out to the three. You know, they did a couple of screen-in rolls or pick-and-pops where instead of Jokic, they put Millsap in there, and he ended up hitting back-to-back threes. And pretty much any time, the, they just adjusted with one simple thing, and the Clippers couldn't counter that at all. And it just seemed like every punch the Nuggets threw, instead of responding back, we just saw, as we did the past two games before, Clippers just yeah. kind of wilt and just give up, which, you know, is not something I would have expected from this group in particular. As, you know, we go into this season and coming off last year's really spirited playoff run of talking about, you know, this team has dogs and they fight and they scrap, and that was nowhere to be found in these last three games, especially in the second half. These, you know, these are games where the score might look a little closer than it was because the Clippers were up big, but. They got they got blasted in all three of these second halves. It's like sixty to thirty something in all three of these second halves. The last three games. That's a huge. That's a huge amount. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Um, I'm laughing. Um, in a laughing matter, which is crazy, is how uh, you had uh, uh, Dame Leonard and McCollins tweeting <laughs> as the game was going on. Man, that's what was the most funniest thing um, talking about making chips of reservations for Cancun and stuff like that uh, it was just it was just really bad to see that happening yeah um, I mean um, these guys these guys talking crap about them yeah I mean the Clippers got blasted on on Twitter and social media last night and it's hard to argue with it they said they they're a group that carried themselves this year as if they were you know a championship group which a lot of people thought they were and you know, other teams certainly have similar edge, but carried themselves with a cockiness and kind of an entitlement some people felt. And, you know, yeah, other players and teams seeing them lose were were eager to jump on it. And, and you can't blame them because, as we said, this was a complete and total flame out from this team. And, uh, you know, whether they won the championship or not, the whole championship or bust thing is one thing. But to to not get out of the second round when having a 3-1 lead, having the superior roster is just just inexcusable it was a you know i never thought that i would see something as bizarre and as painful as the the houston 2015 series you know i saw you know josh smith raining threes Corey brewer that whole thing you know i remember just the yeah yeah, the feeling of that one and just being like all right well it can't get worse than that but here we here we are five years later and, and somehow i think because the circumstances this team with the talent they have with you know, Steve Ballmer putting all the money into it, you know, the front yeah. office being what they are and turning this thing around so much that that 2015... Yeah, they, took, they, they took a big hit, I mean, as far as with even the lotto picks that they gave up, you know what I mean, to to get uh, Paul George. Like, we don't have a uh, a first rounder to I don't know when, you know what I mean, for for the Clippers because of this, this collaboration of, uh, <laughs> of this team. So... Yeah, they, they trade off first first round picks. I think they obviously gave up. I think twenty three, twenty five, and 
26 or 27. So they have, you know, alternating years. But, yeah, they they lost a lot of them, like you said, and and all the more reason, like we were talking about before, for, for Paul George. Like, he's entitled to a bad game, but at the same time, you know, this team mortgaged the, the entire future, basically, to to get you in to perform like the star that you are and are capable of being. And if you're not yeah. going to be that, then that's big trouble. And now all of a sudden, you know, this team still has an incredible roster. So going forward, they should still have chances. But all of yeah. a sudden, very quickly, you're on the clock because, yeah. you know, Kawhi and Paul George signed the two-year deals with options. They'll be free agents. Technically, they can be if they want to after next year. So, you know, yeah. the the pressure to win is even higher now. And, and obviously, after such a disappointment, there's a lot that's in flux. For sure. Speaking of that, though, going going into next season, I know it's kind of early to talk about, but as far as right now, what do you think that needs to be added for this team or, or taken out in that sense? Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be a unique offseason, and I'm sure we'll have, you know, future episodes to, to, you know, break it down even more. But I think, obviously, you have the big decisions of your couple of free agents, Montres Harrell being mm-hmm. one of them, Marcus Morris, who you gave up another first-round pick for. So, you know, that's an important piece who you would like to keep as well. And, and Jermichael Green, who is tremendous. So, yeah. you know, which one of those guys do you bring back? Do you bring back all of them? Um, you know, you I have Lou in there as well, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no I think so. I think as far as, like you said, need. Um, yeah. I think the, the things that I would like to focus on for this team are Another point guard who can be more of a, a facilitator. You know, they obviously brought in Reggie Jackson, who saw his minutes cut in the playoffs. So yeah, more, yeah. more of a defensive-oriented playmaking point guard. Because uh-huh. I, I think we saw in these playoffs as well, you know, Kawhi and Paul George are good playmakers, as is Lou. But there's no true point guard off the bench. So I think if you have yes. another guy that can get offense facilitated and at least run things through pick and roll and pass the ball, that would be helpful and then I think at the center position, having a another backup five who is strong defensively, maybe can stretch the floor as well, like we know Green can. But um, I think yeah. a backup five and a backup point guard uh, would be where my focus would be. Uh, and sure. The Harold thing is interesting because I think he's a phenomenal player and he's been so dynamic during the regular season. But his defense obviously was a factor in these playoffs, and you know he'll likely command big money. You know, personally, I'm a I'm always a fan of if you have that asset to not let them go for nothing. So I think for sure. I would I would re-sign him, and then if you're looking to potentially or do a sign and trade, get something back for for Harrell uh, if you're going to get yeah. let him go. Um, but I, I would definitely prioritize re-signing Morris and Jamichael Green, and then getting a backup one and backup five. However, you can do that, whether it's in the trade market. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see who the pieces are that they can trade because the flexibility is not a lot without a lot of draft picks. But as you said, do they do they bring back Lou? Do they bring back, you know, Trez and Beverly, kind of the, uh, the original core of this group, or do they kind of shift that? W- what are your thoughts on that? No, I think uh, the, the one thing that you said that I really 100% agree on is is – is a point guard, you know what I mean, and I know they're kind of extinct as far as having a, a true point guard in your in your roster, um, especially a caliber team like this who who you got guys that can get it off the glass and push it and and go and not rely on you know a set offense. But um, I think that was the most thing that really killed these guys uh, later on down the stretches. 
is doing too much. You know what I mean? I mean that is by not they they're wasting so much energy. You know what I mean? Um, Paul George bringing the ball up, trying to run pick and roll, getting to the spots, and trying to take his shots. If you got somebody that can you know bring the ball over to him, and he can work so much off the catch and not so much off the dribble, and ex- stop exerting so much energy that way. His game can be, you know, what I mean, more efficient from that way. Um, I seen Kobe Bryant change, revamp his game. You always, we seen Michael Jordan do the same thing. LeBron James is now, you know, starting to get into the post as well and stuff. And um, we seen Kawhi Leonard, you know, when he was with Toronto, doing that a lot too, getting to the post and executing from that point. Um, the point guard is very huge for this team. And I say that seriously is because they need somebody, yes, that plays defense like Pat Beverly, but at the same time that can give them a little bit more. Even though Pat Beverly did, you know, above average on his his uh, his points this game in game seven, uh, so I can't take nothing from him because he was actually present. He didn't do no stupid fouls or anything like that. Um, but just uh, that, that more confidence of, giving up that role a little bit more for these guys so they can actually do a little bit more as far as preserving their energy uh, is huge. I think that's the most important thing I would say for sure. Yeah, and and we know that Doc Rivers has not been a huge fan in his coaching career of, of young guys. You know, there's obviously a few outliers there, uh, but it remains to be seen if, if there's enough trust in a young guy like Terrence Mann who had some flashes, a rookie who could be that type of player. Uh, you know, they had another first-round pick, his Terrence Mann's Florida State teammate, uh, Fee Cabangeli, who was, you know, primarily with their G League team this year, but that's a, a center who can shoot threes and defend, who they put used a first-round draft pick on. Do they think he'll be ready to contribute? So, you know, they have a couple of young guys who have potential, but it's just yeah. if you're ready to throw them in the fire, so to speak, uh, and be real, you know, rotation players and contributors on a team that should theoretically have championship aspirations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Got to be, you got to come ready to play, man. Man did an excellent job, though. You know, this season and in the postseason, for sure. Um, I like his game. He's a big guard. Um, he does rookie mistakes. You know what I mean? But for the most part, he's not scared. And I really respect his game. Um, I seen him grow in in Florida. Um, and I've seen him a lot with the Clippers with the time that he had. Um, he's really, you know, a little bit poised more than other other uh, rookies that's out there, and uh, he deserves a little bit more minutes for sure. Yeah, no, I, I like Mann's game as well. And, you know, you can take it with a grain of salt, but, you know, the last regular season game when it was all bench guys for both teams when the, the seating was locked up, you know, Mann almost had a triple-double, you know, with a huge True. 25 points, so... You know, take that for what it's worth. But as you said, he's a he's big. I, you know, he's learning point guard on the fly. He was really kind of more of a, a wing in college, but he clearly has that that potential. So maybe that solution is in house. But uh, I think you know, obviously for this group, continuity building that is going to be very important because uh, something was missing here down the stretch. And uh, you know, time together because clearly whatever chemistry issues that they tried to brush aside, now we're getting all these reports that, of course, now we hear about chemistry problems. But if those exist, uh, you got to get that ironed out right away and, and keep the group yeah. together and, and try to figure it out. But it, like you said, it's 
it's all talk right now. Uh, you know, this is it's all talk. Man. It's just it's as you said, they're, they're going fishing. <laughs> yeah, they're going fishing. There's there's no sugar coating it, and you know we've done this podcast together for a couple of months, and I'm sure you can tell that like just naturally, I'm kind of an optimistic guy and always looking for the bright side. But there's there's yeah. there's no silver lining for this one. This is just a total failure. They they blew it. Uh, and they gotta they gotta eat that and wear it for you know however long it takes until the next season. But this one is gonna it stings a lot for this team and, and especially for for the fan base because you know tortured at this point for never having any success and you know feeling like you're right there on the doorstep and then having it ripped away again. So you know most of all out of everything you feel bad for for the fan base who is just you know, continually die hard for for a team that doesn't. You know, pay it off and give it back. Yeah, no, for sure. It'd have been sweet as hell to actually see uh, two LA teams facing, you know, in the Western Conference Finals um, head on, and seeing who's going to be victorious out of that. And I think it'd even been a little bit more, um, you know, uh, taken in if they would have lost it up to that point. You know what I mean? If they'd have got over this hump that they always stumped their toes on. Uh, making it this far and not succeeding on, um, it had been a little bit more of a like, okay, they made it past this hump. They made it to the, to you know, with the Lakers, the one of those teams that are elite teams that we think that's going to be able to win as well. And they lost at that point, but we didn't even get a chance to see that. And that's the most important thing that really sucks, you know, from from my take in. Uh, but moving forward, though, you know, with what with, with the clip has been set aside um, basketball-wise. Who do you think is going to be able to, you know, carry this torch on, on through from your eyes? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's such an interesting Final Four uh, that's left. You know, obviously no one, yeah. no one expected Denver to be in there. Uh, Miami, obviously, has been a big surprise. And, you know, Miami won a thrilling Game 1 against Boston last night as mm-hmm. well. Uh, nice. You know, going into that one, I had Boston in seven, but I think that series is going to be, you know, a knockdown, <laughs> drag out brawl. So I could see it going either way. And you know, right now, I'll I'll pick the Lakers to win in six, but uh, obviously Denver continues to be counted out and keeps winning. So you know, I wouldn't be totally shocked if they win that one too. But I'll, I'll give the edge to the Lakers. They've looked they've looked really sharp. You know, LeBron is restaking his claim if it was ever lost that you know he still feels like he's the best player in the in the world and he very well may be and uh right now it, i'm gonna give the edge to the lakers they've been the best team mm-hmm. all year so you give them their kudos and their props but um i think we could have a lakers celtics finals what about you no i think that's going to be it too the lakers celtics um but you know miami's man you got some underdogs that are not going away you know by no means so they're another side of the Denver Nuggets that I see as well um, that's playing like balls out every possession and uh, you gotta give it up to these guys too because these guys are not you know, known people and they're making themselves uh, a, a huge commodity as far as you know winning games with hard work and uh, tenacity so Miami's definitely right there on the, on the radar um, as far as winning it all but I think the Celtics are gonna win um, I know the Lakers, LeBron James has got a little, you know, relief that he doesn't have to probably face Kawhi Leonard, you know, in the finals. Um, but he, they do got some dogs as far as the Denver Nuggets, you know. So it's going to be a tough game, you know. 
It's not going to be just a sweep underneath the rug by no means. Um, the confidence that Denver has right now, they're they're a shining light, you know. So they're they're holding their heads up high, and like uh, Murray said, they got to worry about us, you know. So I think that's the statement right there. Yeah. No. I mean, as ridiculously painful as this loss is for the Clippers, it just it's a testament to to Denver and the group they have. I don't know if every other Clipper fan feels this way, but there's no animosity or hatred toward Denver you know watching Jokic and Murray play is is pretty beautiful to be honest they've been just amazing so um, you know who knows if they're able to carry that on like I said I think the Lakers have the edge there but you know I don't think there's anyone in the world that can stop Jokic with you know as he as he said he he doesn't rely on on speed he's just out there kind of doing it at his pace and he's just you know if, if people are coming sending doubles he's making unbelievable passes if not He's going to shoot his crazy one-legged high-arcing rainbows and drill them. So it's just, yeah. there's not much you can do with that. Yeah, there's not much you can do with that. But, I mean, that, that matchup with him and AD is going to be something to see for sure uh, moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's funny you, you bring up the, obviously, us missing the, the battle for L.A., which I think we were all looking forward to. Uh, just a random fun fact. The last time it was almost possible was... 2006 when the the Clippers beat the Nuggets in the first round and the Lakers were up 3-1 to one on the Suns uh, and then Steve Nash and the Suns ended up beating the Lakers coming back from 3-1 and then the Clippers of course played the Suns the next round but uh, each time we've been on the doorstep of a Clippers-Lakers series uh, one of the two teams has blown a 3-1 lead so uh, history somebody's point shaving man <laughs> somebody's point shaving for sure <laughs> <laughs> They're getting some big money off of this. I don't know who it is, but we got to find a leak into one of these teams. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's the coaching staff, man. I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe so. We got to we got to figure that one out. But but yeah, no, this one um, it does feel good to to get these feelings off the chest a little bit. This one is going to sting a lot for a long time. You know, I don't want to get too hyperbolic, but it, for me, it, it's one of the the biggest collapses and one of the most embarrassing losses obviously in franchise history i'd say in basketball history it's it's up there so uh it's something that hopefully this team will use to come back and not repeat these mistakes and actually take the regular season seriously take their practices seriously their conditioning their chemistry whatever the issues are uh and not have this happen again but as we for the clippers and their fans it's a I'll believe it when I see it type of thing because we thought we were there this year and it's uh they're not quite there yet so it's uh yeah it's a work in progress we're going backwards yeah we got to start from, from the starting line all the way over again now and wait to wait to see who's the finish who's winning you know so this sucks you know I I I, <laughs> I grow I grow fond of doing this with you and then all of a sudden this happens. So I remember I texted you, I said, what the hell are we going to do now? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I really believed in uh, in this team. I really believed in, you know, uh, them getting moving forward, um, especially knocking over this barrier. It really sucks, and it's a bad taste in everybody's mouth um, as far as clipping the Clipper Nation. Uh, but, you know, it's a light to it. Basketball is always played. Um, these guys got to get some harder. Um the game is it is what it is right there. I think the most important thing is it's got to get smarter, you know, and figure that thing out. Um, one thing that I have learned as far as playing basketball is that 
the nucleus of, of keeping the commodity of your team is very huge. Um, I say that more or less than um, a scenario out here in Europe is these guys that win, they keep the same team, you know, no matter what, even the same Americans, because, you know, it's a short amount of Americans that can play out here. Uh, you got to be able to, to, to swallow this pill, but know that, you know, you can't pout and, and point fingers at this time, you know. We all, they all lost as a unit, you know, all the way across the board from the coaching staff to the players to the trainers to the ball boys, all lost. So you can't blame nobody and say that, you know, it was one person's fault. It was one person's fault this time, then last time it was. And it's everybody's fault, you know what I mean? It's a collective unit towards winning um, a championship, you know, and, and trying to win your last game is very, the most important thing. Uh, didn't get to that point. I think the Clippers need to really just keep their same nucleus and try to build towards that, you know, um, moving forward. Yeah, and there, there are obviously plenty of examples of teams that have, you know, had these tough losses and bounced back. Denver, of course, being one of them. They were lost True. in seven in the second round last year and are now moving on. You know, mm-hmm. the first year LeBron was with the Heat. You know, they obviously they got all the way to the finals, but they pretty much blew – a hold on the championship and lost to the Mavericks. And, you know, there are examples out there. This one feels a little harsher just because it was er- so much earlier in the playoffs. Um, so so that one. I said there's no silver lining to it. But as you said, there is the, the possibility of continuity and getting more familiar and better with each other. But um, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. What you said, too, is like we don't even remember those games that, you know, Miami lost. We just remember the championship that Miami won, you know, moving forward from that point. So maybe next year, you know, they'll knock over that. You know, Cinderella stories is, is always there. So I'm not going to talk about the past. Right now, we're living in the future right now of what's happening. Um, they lost. They suck. They got to own it, man. They got to own it. They got to own it. And, you know, whatever happens, you know, it's already been reported that, most likely, Doc Rivers will will come back and will stay. Um, and if he does, if he does, we know you know love Doc. He's a great person and obviously has done a tremendous job for the most part. But you know he's got to look in the mirror and own these playoff you know blunders and mistakes as well, and, and make the right adjustments just yeah. like the players do. Because there were you know yeah. plenty of mistakes that we pointed out from poor substitution patterns, not. Uh, you know, not adjusting on the fly, like you said, and, and making those in-game adjustments that it seemed like Denver did. So that's something where you got to be able to learn and adapt. And if he's there, you know, for however fluky it may be, three three-one leads—that's that's twenty-three percent of all of three-one leads blown ever by this one coach. So you got to be able to figure that out and, and not have a way to have your team be so tight in these games because we said the second time we've seen it in a Clipper history with this so tight yeah yeah and it it, it, like i said it was the same thing against houston in 2015 like i said i i never thought i'd see a quarter like that again but the fourth quarter of game six against the rockets that clipper team couldn't make a shot couldn't do anything couldn't move and then we saw it again in game seven uh the other night against the nuggets so yeah yeah, stuck in quicksand frozen whatever you want to call it uh yeah you know, that type of mentality that exists for whatever reason has to be taken away and fixed, and um, we'll just hope that they can do it. Mm-hmm. All right, Alex, so this is, uh, as we said, it was a good uh, good therapy session. We uh, 
that we needed after this tough loss. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll keep going, as we said. Uh, more episodes coming up in the future to get more in-depth yeah. into the off-season plan, talk about the rest of the playoffs going on. But uh, mm-hmm. we share your sorrows, Clipper Nation. We'll uh, lick these wounds together and try to get back out there and, and see how this team responds. For sure, man. Appreciate you guys listening in, man. Got a lot more content for you. And, uh, man, Jess is going to be here. Clipper Nation, baby. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, you know, for this first year of Believe in Clippers here on the Believe Podcast Network. Really appreciate all the support that we've gotten. We're going to, as we said, continue bringing you content here during what is now, unfortunately, a very early offseason for the L.A. Clippers. We got you covered here on the Believe Podcast Network. You can follow us wherever podcasts are found. Rate, review, subscribe, five stars, all that goodness. Uh, and we'll be back next week with another Believe in Clippers to look into the future for the Clippers. Uh, hang in there, Clipper Nation. I'm with you. It's awful, but that's what makes us Clipper fans. We hang in there, and we'll see what happens next year. But we'll keep it going. Thanks again here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network, and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Clips. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.